Welcome to LNG TV, bringing you dynamic conversations, thought-provoking reflections and inspiring stories from the leaders, pioneers and change agents spearheading growth across gas and LNG markets worldwide and shaping the transition to a cleaner, more sustainable and prosperous global energy landscape of tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to LNG TV. On today's episode of LNG Excellence, we are delighted to welcome Phil Hunter. Phil is widely recognized as one of the industry's leading technical minds with a career which has seen him work on LNG liquefaction projects on almost every continent. Welcome, Phil. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Very nice to have you, Phil. Um, over 40 remarkable years, almost exclusively in LNG across the globe. What are some of your best and fondest memories? Uh, well, obviously, over 40 years, I think there's there's quite a lot. Um, I think the challenges of uh, of getting on projects and seeing them from you know the drawing board to uh, completion and successful completion that was probably the biggest um, pleasure I got was on all the projects that I was involved in and seeing them to the end was uh, that actual point of of, uh, of completion being at the uh, performance test runs and the, the final turnovers to clients and um, and having happy clients. Um, but I suppose in myself, I feel that the biggest achievement was when when I joined Bechtel and, and we started out with the uh, LNG uh, business for them based on the ConocoPhillips uh, technology um, and the challenges that that brought and how we addressed those and how we were successful in um, in, in developing that and developing that uh, alliance collaboration to the point of where it, it's one of the largest uh, technologies used in the LNG industry uh, globally. Um, I remember when we first did uh, Atlantic uh, LNG Train 1, uh, we completed that and, and it had its challenges, but uh, we, we our focus on that one was um, schedule and, and we did it on schedule and we came back to the, the home office in Houston and Basically, I think there were six of us and we were sat in a corner in the Bechtel offices and <laughs> probably, you know, nobody knew what to do with this. Uh, and we, we ourselves struggled to, 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 to develop further, but uh, we had some great people and, and, and we took it to the point of where all of a sudden it boomed. You know, we got Egypt and we got Darwin and we got Equatorial Guinea, the expansions in... Um, in Trinidad, and then the lead-ons into Angola, into Wheatstone, and the uh, Curtis Island stuff. So it was a phenomenal uh, experience, uh, a great bunch of people that started it and, and uh, developed it, you know, the way it is now for Bechtel. So uh, that was probably the, the biggest pleasure in my LNG life, I think. I was actually thinking with the recent news about Qatar's expansion, the use of megatrains, mm -hmm. Venture yeah. Global obviously having a modular design. We've yeah. got Novatech who are developing a gravity-based approach. What are the key 
factors behind this evolution of LNG plant design and then picking up more specifically with relation to train size selection? Mm. Uh, I, I mean, when we first started the industry, train size selection was very, um, I think it was very specific to the fields. I think it was, you know, if you had five uh, uh, TCM of, of, of gas, you developed a facility that was X million tons per annum and you marketed that if you like. Um, and I think that was the case until I, I want to say even into the nineties, probably early two thousands. Um, that was the main driver. It wasn't the case on all of them, but that was the main driver. And then I think, um, you know, Qatar came into play and, and it completely blew all that out the water because they had the Northfield sitting there, which had endless, endless supplies of gas. So um, that plus um, um, the Russian developments, Novatech, uh, et cetera, they have such vast amounts of natural gas um, that that does not become the driver anymore. The driver becomes, um, you know, where your market is going to be, how you're going to market it. And, um, you know, Qatar's a, a prime, wonderful example of... Um, you know, they went big very early on with the, the megatrends, as you say, and, and that's, to me, and looking at the recent announcements, that's all they're going to go with is, you know, their, their, their reserves completely justify, and their experience now, completely justify building megatrends. Now, um, the announcement was for, I think, 32 million tons per annum with an additional uh, 16, I think, um, uh, that that to me is, is again I look at the markets and how that would get absorbed and it seems to me it's the old adage of, of Qatar saying well we'll build it and they will come they they, they believe the market uh, will develop and and uh, the the users uh, will 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 come out you know they will be developed in places in in India and Pakistan and Vietnam and China etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, and I think the uh, the take, as I say, on um, in Novatech and, and and Russia in general is is the same. They they have the resources. They are going to build because they believe eventually they will market it. Um, Novatech, as I mean, they got to what sixteen point five, another sixteen point five coming up, and then I think Obbiz again another six. So you you're looking at um, you know fifty million tons just off those three projects. Phil, you've, you've spoken a lot about many of the bills you've been involved in, obviously got a vast amount of experience across the end-to-end -end, um, life of a project, specifically maybe if we focus on the startup of a project, um, many hours, lots of money spent, um, lots of sweat equity. Uh, what were the major obstacles you saw? You mentioned Atlantic, but there are many others, obviously. What are the major obstacles that you faced and how did you manage those and overcome them? I think um, there's, there's obviously several things, Adam. I, I I think probably the first challenge you would always get was the construction guys, they, they were building something. You know, their job was to build it, get it built, and then give it to the um, commissioning startup guys. And, and I think the secret of success was always to be integrated with construction very early on and give them a very clear picture of what you uh, were looking for from them. And um, I think, again, the more successful 
of all the of, well, of the LNG projects that I was involved in was where we had this synergy with um, with the construction guys and um, and and had them understand just how we wanted their end product delivered to us to make our lives easier and you know allow us to achieve what what we targeted to achieve uh, on schedule etc cetera, etc cetera. um i think one of the biggest challenges especially in the early days was getting the right um personnel um i i i don't think nowadays it's such a problem because the industry's grown so large but but in the early days there wasn't you know lng was pretty niche still and and you 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 had to look around uh, very hard to get the real good uh, qualified uh, commissioning startup personnel um, because you were you know you're basically depending on them to deliver for you um, so uh, I think that was one of the challenges but one of the pleasures as well because I always loved when we got into it and we had all the the different uh, technical challenges and you know you'd have mechanical failures you'd have things going wrong and how they um, how they grew and how they addressed these things and how confidence in teams grew and how um it actually became enjoyable people people got to the point where they they wanted to succeed it wasn't all about um you know, the salaries and and, and etc it was about this team who you could genuinely see that they wanted to succeed so um that was to me again a, a real a real pleasure uh, but hard hard at times and and obviously this all starts with leadership um you've led and managed you know international teams all over the world on you know numerous projects both on site and in a corporate office how has your leadership style evolved over time i i think it's it's evolved naturally i i um i you know i like to think uh, when i was young i was uh, uh I, i'm like a lot of people if you like when you were younger you had lots of energy lots of um, passion but didn't necessarily have the experience and i think um my leadership uh, patterns i think changed over the years as i matured i think um and i think this happens with everybody um i think i i recognized i was a, a very energetic person obviously when i was younger and and um i wanted to to be successful and and sometimes i think probably uh, pushed uh, at times and and um you know expected uh, more of people than than i probably should have but over time i think i i grew to realize that was it's okay to have the energy but the actual the the benefit is to transfer that energy if you like to your team to the guys on your team and 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 get them to if you can buy into uh, what you're trying to do and and have them take ownership of it and uh, so my leadership changed from if you like I was a driver to where um I developed people in the group to be the drivers and and um I was very very keen I I really was a, a. I liked to push the kids, as I, I used to say in Bechtel. I used to. Uh, I used to. Every project we did, we would pull into the teams uh, the young graduates, the young engineers, 
And I used to tell them, guys, this is what I want you to do. You go around this office, you learn everything there is about, uh, about this LNG business, but then you're going to go to the field and you're going to do the same thing in the field. You're going to work in construction. You're going to work in every aspect of what we do. Because when you come back to this office and you finish that project, you've got something that a lot of people in this business don't have. You have the experience of all parts of it, of how it works. And so I think from a leadership perspective, I changed from somebody who was at the front driving and sometimes feeling like I was pulling them along to being somebody at the back who was pushing them, guiding them, uh, but letting them be the leads, letting them make their own decisions, letting them get the experience to develop and to become some of the best people in the business. And, and, and they did. Some of the, the people, the youngsters that went on the projects became um, senior management, senior leaders in, in different organizations. I mean, Will, uh, our friend uh, Ivan, is, yeah. uh, is, is a prime example of that. I, I, uh, I loved Ivan. He was uh, typical of, of a lot of people who are youngsters who just wanted to get out there and do it. And if you can just let them and just keep an eye on them and, and make sure that they're going the right way and doing the right things, it's wonderful to see. It's absolutely wonderful. A part of that, it sounds like you've clearly been a mentor to many. Um, but what's the most valuable lesson you learned early on from a mentor yourself? And how did that impact you and shape you um, as you went on in the industry? Um, it, it, to me, it's very specific, actually. I... Um, uh, I had several mentors during my uh, growth, if you like, in the LNG industry. But but one that stood out to me was um, the uh, the executive um, uh, president at uh, at Bechtel, John Duty. Um, I just uh, he, he you know, when I came on board, uh, he was uh, leading the charge for the LNG development. He was the Bechtel uh, senior. A representative for the project and um he he actually um mentored me to the point of where he i think he understood what my capabilities were um, but i also i think he understood what my weaknesses were especially from a bechtel corporate perspective and uh he he guided me I, i've got to say john guided me and he he would say He'd come into the office and he'd sit and have a coffee and he would say things like, um, uh, Phil, you know, you just need to step back, let these guys do it. Um, don't, don't, don't be afraid to, to make decisions on things on the project because we trust you. We believe you. You've just got to have faith in yourself. You've got to be, um, you know, brave enough to take these steps forward. I, I, he just, uh, he gave me all the confidence in the world, John Duty. Um, I just, I, I don't know whether I should mention names like that, but, but John certainly was uh, a very big, big factor in my development in the LNG business. Working around the world and across the ebbs and the flows of a mega project, that's going to, it's fair to say, impact your work-life balance, your lifestyle in some way, shape or form. Um, what are the habits you've built up and what are the non-negotiables that you've drawn along the way to try and balance that in a sustainable manner? Um, I, I think I was, as, uh, I was like everybody, I think, in the earlier days. I, I, 
you know, the the focus was always on the project, and, and um, I, I wouldn't say my my uh, my life uh, outside of work was suffered in any way. My my, I think one of the benefits I had was I always had my wife with me. My wife always um, travelled and and was on the various projects around the world and in the different offices. Um, she was she was always by my side. And, I think that was the best thing. You know, the the balance for me was always being able to go home and and be normal. And and, and she she's the best the best thing uh, analogy if I could use for my life was um, she wouldn't allow me to talk about LNG at home. Um, she, she she we actually had a in Trinidad we had a um, a Christmas party for all the guys in the group and and uh, at the house and. Um, she she'd gone to great lengths, and there was a lot of people. I forget how many, but a lot of people came with the wives. And um, she 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 made this. She had this big sign made, and on the um, the gates of the 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 house, the villa we stayed in, she hung this big sign, and all it said was "No gas." Uh-huh. <laughs> in other words, people could not talk about work. Um, it was a social event, and we're there to enjoy ourselves. So. For me, that always uh, always kept me grounded. But uh, I, I, you know, I was like a lot of people. I, I I I had a commitment to the project I was on, and I um, I, I kept that commitment. I, uh, I in no way did I feel that there was an imbalance in my life. Um, my kids, you know, they certainly didn't suffer in any way. Um, my kids absolutely loved the fact that we were traveling all over the world. From, from when they were young, uh, when they were with us, and from when they went to boarding school, and they were out, allowed to travel out uh, first class uh, to Singapore three times a year, um, and even got per diem payments from the company, which they absolutely loved. Um, and and the, so, you know, even now, as, as you know, when we got older, they would come out and they would bring the kids out, you know. And, and so um, I think we had... Uh, a good work-life balance for ourselves. Um, some people may think we, we were committed, or I was committed to work a lot more than I should have been, but I don't think so. I, I, it, uh, it, it, it was a good balance for me. It, it, mentally, I was always very, very strong. I didn't, I didn't ever feel pressured um, in anything that I was doing. Certainly interesting to hear that whilst obviously um, there are challenges. There's also phenomenal opportunities on a personal level, uh, whether it's, you know, spending time with a family in Singapore or um, having a meal in a very unique location in Algeria or Qatar, etc. Um, we, we mustn't forget that. Um, what, yeah. are, what, are, what are some of the, what's the most memorable moment with your family being abroad, obviously you were working, what's the most memorable moment you've had um, in a vista, in a landscape, at a restaurant with your family on a personal level? I think too numerous to mention, Adam, really. We've had so many, uh, uh, from, from living in, in the jungles of Borneo and, and uh, going into the jungles and having wild orangutans come and climb and sit on you and, and uh, while you're feeding them bananas and things like that. Um, running through the, the jungles of Borneo doing what we call, I don't know whether you've heard of hash runs, uh, hash house harriers, 
it's it's a, a paper chase that you do every Monday through the jungles of predominantly in Asia, but I think it's global now. Uh, my kids and my wife, we did that every Monday. Um, and then going up to Alaska and, and sitting in uh, Kenai and being unable to sleep on a night because it never got dark. And, and, and so going out walking this to on the edge of the Kenai uh, River where the estuary goes into the Cook Straits and uh, sitting on the edge of a bank, looking down a cliff and watching beluga whales chase salmon, you know, people pay fortunes for things like that. Those, those things like that were extraordinary. Watching a moose walk down the middle of the road, watching bears in the middle of the Kenai Russian River catching salmon. And I just, uh, and there's so many, uh, there's, and both with my family and by myself, but there's so many things that I was given the opportunity to do that this business and this career afforded me to do. I, I, I could never have believed that it would happen. And, and I'm so thankful for it. It, it, it was a wonderful, wonderful career, a wonderful opportunity. So in terms of legacy, I believe we all want to have an impact. What is the impact that you hope that you've had on the industry? Uh, difficult to say. I think it's more people. I think um, just leaving uh, a core group of, of, you know, good LNG people in all aspects of the business, whether it's uh, technical, whether it's uh, projects, whether it's um, home office, anything like that. I just... I just, the legacy I would think that I'd like to is there's a lot of people out there that I, I still keep in contact with. A lot of the young guys from Trinidad, a lot of the guys from Egypt, from Equatorial, well, from all of the projects and from the Bechtel offices, from the KBR offices, the people, the younger people uh, who, uh, to me, that's the legacy. They are still in the business. They are still doing well in the business. Um, so the, the biggest legacy for me, I would think, would be um, would be that it's it's the people, it's the the the, the projects and um, you know the as I said earlier the, the the pleasure of getting Conical Phillips technology to where it is in the or being part of that, uh, getting that to to where it is in the world now, it's great. I, I, it's it, that's a it's a legacy in itself, but definitely the people. It's definitely um, when I. When I left KBR, um, we had a, a little uh, get together and, and uh, with a cake and things like that. And I, I told the guys in the room, I, I there were you know a lot of the younger engineers and uh, uh, people that, that worked for me, and I just said, just be just be honest and just just be uh, sincere in how you work in this business, and just carry that forward with you in what you do. Be uh, a good engineer or a good project manager or but, but and be as firm and as, as um, adventurous and do what you want to do but be honest about it and be be fair with people that's all you've got to do is be fair with people the people will pay you back that's all you got. so for me biggest legacy is the people the people that I worked with that I think in some way I may have helped shape their careers uh, that's that's what I like about it. Phil, um, remarkable 40 years. 
Um, it, we know you've impacted the industry in vast ways. It's it's nice to hear the industry has impacted you in so many ways and in so many rich ways as well. Um, we really appreciate your openness, your reflections, your insights, your learnings, um, very much indeed. So thank you, Phil. Yeah, thank you. Enjoyed it. Look forward to speaking soon, Phil. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this episode of LNG Excellence. Thank you very much for watching. Bye for now.